Hello, and welcome to the first Spotify exclusive episode of Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott. I had a heck of a day, my friend. I've been working meticulously all week on a very specific story for today for the big launch, and I went to put some finishing touches on it, and bam, my software got hit with some sort of bug, and the files crashed and became unrecoverable. All of them. (laughs) I... Please don't write to me and tell me I should save more often. Um, It was not an issue of saving. I am a very impulsive saver. I save every 15 minutes, if not more. Usually whenever I do something um, important in the file, I save immediately. It was not a saving issue. It was a bug. Um, Anyway, that's not what you came here for. I was just so sick about it, though. I even did a Facebook Live and an Instagram story sharing my disbelief with those of you who follow me on social media. So if you want to know a little bit more and kind of get an image of what I was working with, um, check Facebook Live for the next 24 hours. I mean, sorry, Instagram stories for the next 24 hours and Facebook Live, I believe anytime. I think I shared it to the group, so it's there. Um, Yeah, uh, c'est la vie, though. We are here now with two amazing stories that are just coming out a little ahead of schedule. They were just going to come out next week and now they're this week, so yay. Don't worry, I will completely rework that lost one that I lost today. Um, It's not going to be like an actual lost episode that never comes out. I just need it to sit in the corner for a little bit while it thinks about what it did. (laughs) I will have it for you just at a later date. Our first story tonight is A Beautifully Dark Tale by Alicia Hollingsworth. This is The Garden Party. He found her to be enticing. The lingering smell of her like that of chrysanthemum and rose, a deep, earthy vibrancy. He reached out his pale hand toward her cheek, brushing it with a delicate precision. She was a powerless bulb in his hand, dancing her eyes from his, a pooling blue, and back to the floor with the blushing of her brushed cheek. He smiled coyly, inviting her to indulge in his alluring charm, while rising from his seat across from hers. Shall we? Her chin arched up at his gaze as she drifted gently from her dinner seat and followed him into the garden. They met in a cafe a comfortable place that he frequented in order to watch the people pass through. No one ever raised an eye at his quizzical posturing of their behavior, but many at his intensity and reserved manner. He liked to leak mystery from his eyes, his hands, his silence, and both women and men alike would glance, then stare, as he played his flirtatious game, 
meeting their curiosity with a nod. He liked to invite them into his world with kindness. He would lead with a compliment, placing his reading down on the table facing his guest. She would reply with a bashful acceptance as her eyes glanced down at his book. So, you enjoy botany? How silly of me, of course you do. You wouldn't be reading about it if you didn't, I mean. She would stutter. He would ask her about herself, let her drown in her words about the life that she was so proud of living. Drinking them in, he would empathize and lead the game into another encounter at a later date. I'm so sorry. I've just been going on and on about myself. You're just so... easy to speak with. Allow me to oblige you and agree to your invitation. He would invite her to dine in his house, making heavy hands of the wine before ushering her home with a single kiss of the cheek. He would send a note with a single flower, saying how this beautiful thing reminded him of her. She would swoon and pine and ache and plead with herself that this may be what the tales of her childhood called love. He would embrace her and, with this thought, gobble up her love like it was a last meal, would breathe her in and evaluate her love, provoke her love until it turned and ate at her like a hungry prisoner. He would smooth her hair and kiss her softly, speak elegantly of the world he had seen and wished to open her eyes to. He would finally invite her truly in, engorging her desire for dreams and truth, take a walk in the gardens that surrounded his estate, gardens that he explained were his first love, that he cared for like a dutiful husband, entranced by the weaving rows of flower and bloom, his gentle and deeply serene character. Her smile would widen and open her up as a vulnerable sacrifice. She would allow him to encroach, to breathe her in, to let his fingers trace in a steady trust, a trust he had earned. He would lead her to bed, and she would allow it. She woke in the midst of the night, hazy from sleep, from love, from the luscious scent of the gardens floating in through the open window. The bed engulfed her in comfort, and she turned her head toward her gentle and only lover. Stiffly, she twitched, seemingly stuck in the bounty of the sheets and duvet. She used what strength she had left to reach out to him. She must be mistaken as her wrist still lay caught. She writhed, only to find the sheets had also caught her other wrist, her ankle, her other ankle. Was she dreaming? She asked the bulk that lay next to her to help, but she seemed to be tangled. But it made no reply. 
lay there silently as she struggled, her limbs contorted. It lay there as she screamed. It lay there as she kicked and beat and revolted against what held her captive. It lay there till she laid still, exhausted from the horrible dream. Until the dream became daylight. The bulk remained dormant until it rose, bathed, and dressed, and didn't leave until its pale hands gently caressed her cheek. The fingers moved like silk towards her lips, where they parted them and injected the most lovely scarf she had ever touched. He left her there, a thrashing bundle on the luxurious sheets, writhing and weeping and opening her up as a vulnerable sacrifice. He loved his garden. He tended to it each day with a delicacy and birth of knowledge that had been noticed by both hobbyists and scholars alike. He had been able to grow the most decadent bouquets over the years. Flowers ablaze and healthy greenery dominated his winding maze of a garden. In the middle was a clearing with elegantly placed white wrought iron tables, a gazebo, and a pond filled with spackled koi fish for entertaining. Each section of the garden was distinct and given a lovely name on which patrons who visited could feel the love and connection to the land, but not the same way he did. Today, he was tending to the Dolores area that had just seen its first season in bloom, just to the left of the Dolores lie a cleared parcel of land, newly soiled and patiently awaiting its first planting. As someone as refined as he was, he enjoyed the ritual of planting. It required a side of him that many people just do not have or understand. He waits patiently, hovering above her, until... She is tired. He makes accurate and steady cuts. First, the mouth of the Y, starting at the clavicle, then the tail, until it intersects her lower abdomen. He waits like a stoic guard until she blacks out from shock or perhaps pain. Carefully, he dissects her taking time to ensure the pieces are perfectly intact and perfectly fresh. One by one, he removes what he has waited for. The seed of love he planted, watching it grow, nurturing it, watering and feeding her needs, and now he takes for the harvest. The bounty is ushered down in his soiled hands to the garden, where he tills the wet fertilizer into the fresh plot he has prepared until the land is a plush indigo. 
The texture is that of a lovely rice pudding, and he is pleased with this process, and he knows it will be so lush come summer. The wrought iron table is adorned with soft cucumber sandwiches, pastries, and biscuits. The blue pattern teapot is simmering with leaves from Ceylon, pouring the tea with grace. He lets it sit in the matching cup while he places a sweet on his tongue and pushes it inside to be devoured. He delicately brushes the sloped sides of the porcelain cup, lifting it gently from the seat on the coupled plate. Flanking him on each side sway the buxom petals and flora in all their comely lore. He breathes in, lithely admiring the wafted scent of chrysanthemum, knowing this was his prize, what he has waited for. story of the evening is by Lindsay Hepburn, who you all remember for her work such as Tall, Dark, and Handsome and Essential Delivery. She's back with a new one, and this is called Deadly Sins. She zipped up her knee-high, appropriately worn-in camel riding boots, tied one more loop of her cranberry-colored, chunky infinity scarf over her cream cable-knit oversized sweater, and debated between a knitted toque with a fur pom-pom or a wide-brimmed boho hat. The fedora matched her boots perfectly, so she positioned her loosely curled blonde ombre hair and put the hat in place. One last look in the mirror, and she was ready to go. It was going to be a perfect day to get some photos for the gram. She was already anticipating how many likes she was going to get. This may even push her into the influencer status. She so desperately wanted to have that little blue check mark next to her handle like Becky. Becky with the good hair and good teeth and cute clothes and all those followers. Okay, she could admit that she was a little envious. She waited on the front porch for Samantha to pull up. Once she finally did, 32 minutes late, she might add, she climbed into Samantha's 10-year-old, not well-maintained shitbox. It stunk like old fried foods and a tinny smell somewhere between B.O. and hamburger. Samantha was in a pair of baggy old jeans that looked as if they had not seen a washing machine in some time, and a black, nondescript hoodie. Samantha's somewhat dirty hair was pulled up in one of those messy buns that she herself could never quite pull off. She looked at Samantha with a glint of envy and annoyance. Samantha was just so effortlessly beautiful, even if she was a slob. 45 minutes later, they pulled into the parking lot of Orville's Orchard and Pumpkin Pickin'. She was glad to get out of the car and breathe some fresh farm air. Samantha got out of her side, and along with her came an old fast food wrapper stuck to her shoe that Sam kicked under the car, 
You're a disgusting sloth, she said, to which Samantha responded with an eye roll. She was going to make a fuss for Samantha to pick up the wrapper when she caught sight of the man who had just pulled in beside them. This blacked out Mercedes pulled in way too fast, cutting off the older model Subaru as it was trying to get the same spot. The woman in the Subaru yelled something, but she didn't pay much attention. She was laser focused on him. Hakeem was, in one word, gorgeous. His raven black hair was cut short on the sides and longer on top, but slicked back in a sort of retro 50s style look. He wore a pair of blue jeans that were so tight she would be surprised if he could walk. Hakeem looked into the mirror to take a glimpse of himself, and the Carly Simon song, You're So Vain, her mom used to sing, came to the top of her mind. She did not care that he was totally into himself. She was into him too. She thought about standing next to him in the pumpkin patch and how many likes she would get with him and her stories, and she practically started drooling on the spot. Hakeem took a final look in the mirror, sent a quick, sarcastically charming smile to the woman in the Subaru, and started walking, no, swaggering, towards the front entrance. Sabrine, the woman in the Subaru, was seeing red. Sabrine felt like she had been cut off from every arrogant, self-entitled man she had ever had the displeasure of crossing paths with. After circling the parking lot a few times, getting more and more angry, Sabrine was finally able to squeeze into a spot at the edge of the parking field, in what seemed like miles away from the entrance. Sabrine's jaw was clenched. Her eyes narrowed. She rifled through her purse and found a Zoloft. Sabrine popped it into her mouth and crunched it between her teeth. She had to manage her mood and made a pact with herself that she was not going to get any more angry and let some testosterone-oozing dickbag ruin her day. Sabrine opened the hatchback and pulled out a few canvas bags as well as a pocket knife so she could cut the stems off the apples. As she walked towards the front gate, Feeling her shoulders still up close to her ears and the anger brooding in her, she passed the Mercedes. Without a lot of thought, Sabrine looked at the pocket knife in her hand, opened it, and slashed the back passenger tire of this asswipe's car. Sabrine could almost feel the wrath leave her body as she walked. <sighs> Relaxed towards the gourd and pumpkin-covered hay bales, noting the entry. There was a big map showing the rows of apples that were ready for picking, an area that was planted five years ago, but not ready for this year's harvest, and a larger area that was called Angel's Gate, which looked like it was for future planting. She looked at the names on the rows, over to Samantha to see if she had noticed, and back. There seemed to be a religious undertone of the place, but... Maybe she was reading too much into it. If anyone was going to make a fuss about religion, it was Samantha. She reviewed the rows to determine where they should catch the tractor pool to pick first. Redemption Red, Green Grace, Deliciously Divine, Apple Pious. That last one made her chuckle, but it was next to the old barn from the 1800s and... She wanted to save this until the light was just right and she could take the best photos. She and Samantha walked the short distance past the pumpkin patch to the row of Redemption Red Apples. 
The trees were gnarled and thick at the base. The apples were plentiful, from the base to the top of the trees. The red was this smoky crimson which glistened to the color of fresh blood when you shone them on your jeans. She took one down and was compelled to try a bite. It was absolutely delicious. There was almost this Bath and Body Works perfume taste to it. But she thought it must have been the Spice Pumpkin Latte lotion she had put on this morning instead. This row was the closest to the parking lot and looked to be the first apples planted on this orchard. As she positioned the perfect apples in the lens of her camera, she caught a person behind the last row moving quickly. She lowered the camera and saw a man lifting full garbage bag after full garbage bag over the fence on the edge of the parking lot. Adam then jumped the fence and loaded the bags into the back of an old silver Ford Ranger, closed the gate of the truck, and hopped the fence again to retrieve his empty Dollar General plastic bag. Adam glanced her way and moved quickly towards the stop tractor at the end of the row, while stuffing a few apples in his bag as he went. She grabbed the hand that Samantha was not chewing the cuticles of and led her towards the flatbed that the tractor was pulling. As they jumped on board with the thief, Adam, so did Hakeem. The tractor started lumbering slowly towards the barn. She fixed her hat and fluffed her hair while giving Hakeem her most demure smile. But he was engrossed with his phone, where he seemed to be swiping left or right. Great, she thought. I'm sitting right here in front of him, and he is looking for a match on a hookup website. She huffed and turned towards Samantha, who had just tossed her gum wrapper over her shoulder into the field. When she looked past Samantha, she noticed a small, rotund, spectacled man who was eating apple after apple while on the ride. She wrinkled her nose up as this man ate the apples, like he hadn't had a meal in a month. He flung core after core over his shoulder as the tractor slowly ambled around the orchard. Hakeem was the first to jump off the tractor, no apple-picking bags in hand, and aimed straight for the barn. He looked back once, right at her, and smiled before he turned away. She almost melted. She told Samantha that she wanted to explore the area for the best location and lighting for photos, and that she should be back. Samantha could have cared less and sat on the ground next to the bags of apples. As she ran away, Samantha looked at the long trench that was already dug for the next season's planting. This must be Angel's Gate. Samantha thought that it was a bit strange to have the trench dug that deep in the fall when they wouldn't plant until spring, but Samantha was not a rocket apple scientist, so she shrugged to herself and started chewing on her cuticles again and got distracted by the latest game on her phone. As she approached the barn, she put on a fresh coat of shine on her lips, bent down at her knees, pulled her bra down, and pushed up her breast so that she would show a perfect cleavage. She quietly opened the old wooden doors to the barn so that the creaking, rusted hinges would not give her away. As the large, heavy door opened, she heard what she thought were pigs grunting in the back. She couldn't imagine that this man was interested in livestock, but continued to walk back nonetheless. She put on her sexy smile, walked around the corner, 
and was dumbstruck by what she saw. Her Prince Charming was bare-assed with his pants around his ankles, and he was the one grunting. He had a brunette bent forward and was holding her by the hips, mid-lusty fornication. The brunette turned back to look at Hakeem, and she immediately recognized who this was. It was fucking Becky. He was fucking Becky. Envy pulsed through every fiber of her being. She once again lost out to super popular and better than her, Becky. She quickly turned around and hit a pitchfork with her back and came clattering down to the hardwood of the barn floor. She looked down at the pitchfork, glinting in the sunlight streaming into the barn, reached down to pick it up, then thought better of it and ran out of the barn, letting the old hinges scream as she wanted to. She ran up to Samantha, grabbed her by the dirty, messy bun, pulled her up and demanded, let's go. They caught the tractor just as it was leaving and headed towards the old farmhouse where they could check out and get the hell out of here. What was once a genuine farmhouse was now just a large commercial store with multiple lines to check out for the plethora of apple-loving and pumpkin-picking patrons. She and Samantha lined up in what seemed to be the shortest line and waited for the masses of screaming kids and makeup-clad beautiful people to pay. The line to check out seemed to have stalled. It was not once, but twice, that she and Samantha had been moved to a new line because the credit card lines were down. It was getting warmer with every new infinity scarf-clad person entering. She was getting thirsty and a bit annoyed. She wanted to go, and kept seeing the same faces she had seen all day fill the room. As if on cue, she noticed the little pudgy man from earlier. Rolf ate so many apples on the ride that he almost felt ill. Almost. But when he entered the farmhouse, he saw that there were samples of food available to the customers. Apple pie, apple strudel, apple sauce, apple fritters, apple muffins, apple, apple, apple. He took a deep breath and went from table to table as he consumed each and every sample. Orville, the proprietor and namesake of this orchard, came into the farmhouse, leaning on what looked like a hand-carved raw wood cane. He could not have been any more perfect probably in his late 70s, wisps of white-gray hair on his liver-spotted and mostly bald head. He was wearing impeccably clean jean overalls and a freshly pressed blue flannel plaid button-up shirt underneath. He smiled warmly at the people in the farmhouse with his perfect teeth. I guess an apple a day really does keep the doctor away. Welcome, everyone, to Orville's Orchard and Pumpkin Pickin'. I hope you've all had an amazing day, and will continue to do so. As some of you know, every five years, we plant a new row of apple trees, and work with a select group to help us choose the name of those new apples. I personally pick seven people to help me, and today, I am going to pick some of you. He pointed one gnarled finger, just like the old apple trees, towards Samantha, who had just stuck her gum under the harvest table. One. Hakeem, who was looking into the reflection of his phone. Two. 
Sabrine, who was red-faced and impatiently waiting in line. Three. Rolf, who was mid-action of putting pie into his pie hole. Four. Becky, who was still flushed from her tryst in the barn. Five. Adam, with his impossibly small bag of five apples. Six. And herself. And you make seven, dear. The seven of them, somewhat reluctantly, followed the slow-walking man from the farmhouse into the smaller building adjacent to the parking lot. He led them into this cozy little building that was kind of a mix between a shed and a barn and made care to seat them with herself first, then Samantha, Hakeem, Sabrine, who sneered at Hakeem when she sat. He blew her a kiss in return. Then Adam, Rolf, and Becky, who licked her lips as she looked at Adam. Once they were all seated on their individual blanket-covered hay bales, the old man put another log into the ancient pot-bellied stove and closed and latched the shed door. He then offered them some fresh-pressed apple cider, saying it was an offering from the most recently planted trees and a tradition to share the first taste of the new crop with special guests every five years. They all accepted She looked at the cloudy liquid. She was not a huge fan of apple cider, but didn't want to be rude. She took the smallest sip to be polite. The juice was like nectar from the gods. So sweet and syrupy that she quickly and almost aggressively drank the rest. Once each of them had finished their drinks... Orville started to speak. Thank you for coming with me and helping me with what will be the newest planting of apple trees here at Orville's Orchard and Pumpkin Pickin'. I know I said I needed help in the naming, but truth is, (laughs) you see, I usually already have a name in mind when I pick my special guests. See, I have paid close attention to each of you today and have personally chosen the seven of you as you fulfill a certain, what shall I say, prophecy. She whipped her head around to look at Samantha on the hay bale to her right. But as she did so, her vision blurred as her head moved. He continued. You see, he said as he walked to a black sheet behind her and yanked off the cloth. You all enable the characteristics of the seven deadly sins. She moved her impossibly heavy head to look behind her and saw a white scroll printing. Like you would see on any of the blessed or thankful decor signs sold in any of those mass-produced big-box department stores. The word envy appeared. Orville walked behind each of them and pulled down the black cloths to reveal sloth, pride, wrath, greed, gluttony, 
And finally, lust. Adam frantically stood up and immediately fell face first on the dirt floor. Becky tried to scream, but a white foam rising from her throat muted her cries for help. He continued, In five years from now, you will all be an integral part of the flavor and composition, or (laughs) shall I say decomposition, of the seven newly planted, sinly delicious apple trees. She started gagging, looked to her right and saw that Samantha's eyes had bulged out of her bluish, bloated face, and then looked back at Orville. He smiled at her with his impossibly perfect teeth. He went on, a bit louder, to speak over the noises that Hakeem's convulsing body was now making. Thank you for your sacrifice, and may God have mercy on your Thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this week's stories as much as I did. Thank you so much to my authors and welcome to all of these new ears. I know that I probably have um, thanks to Spotify uh, pushing my show so much. I mean, I got an announcement on Twitter from Spotify podcast that was just such an honor. It was amazing. So welcome to the show, all of you newbies. Um, Thank you for continuing on with me. Those of you who have followed me over here to Spotify, I really appreciate it. And I'm so excited to continue our relationship. I'm so stoked to see that you're all, maybe not all of you, but a lot of you are enjoying the guided nightmares. I was really afraid to share them on my main feed for two years now because I thought that maybe they were too weird for most people. And it sounds like, or judging by the numbers anyway you're all just as weird as me. So that's cool. So again, welcome to all of my new people. Thank you for all of those of you who have followed me over. And I'm just really excited for the future. That's all I have to say. Um, Today was weird and it was like the universe was testing me. Very much so. (laughs) So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, Follow me on Twitter, Tumblr, Reddit, Instagram, and you can join the Facebook group. Uh, Just answer the questions, please. Uh, Rosemary and I, Rosemary is my right-hand man in the Facebook group, and we, she she, she rules with an iron fist. Not really. We're, we are a lot of fun there. There's not a ton of rules. There are some rules, but not a ton. Um, So yeah, come join us uh, in any of those places. Uh, I think that's it. All right. I am going to go have a much, much needed bubble bath. I will talk to you all later. Go get some sleep. Sweet dreams.